0: There's um, an amazing thing about gathering here that this is not a country club. Uh, This is not a, a place where you pay your membership fees and you get certain privileges and you get to hang out together. That's not the way it works. You see, this is a living organism. It's called a church. And if it doesn't live, then we fail then you really shouldn't be here because if this is not a living entity, we've lost the whole purpose of what a church is. And we're living in these very strange times. We're living in times where um, you just switch on the television and there's nothing but bad news. In fact, there's so much bad news they can't even put it all in the news. I just read that they've had to just cancelled the whole of Israel's parliament. They just marched them all out. Said, no more parliament, that's it. And this is a country we all meant to be praying for. And we didn't, even unless you were aware, you wouldn't have known. And so when we switch on our television, there are wars. And there's threats of wars. Again, China is saying to Taiwan, we don't like what you're doing, so we're going to, We're going to spoil in that pot. And then there's Russia, there's Ukraine, there's stuff happening all over and it wouldn't be very difficult if fear crept in your heart. And hang on, there was something else. What was it? Oh, a pandemic. What about a pandemic? There's pandemics. There's now another pox that's come out. And now there's another strain of COVID that's come out. And then we think this doesn't affect our lives, but it does affect our lives. And some of you might even be inclined to be fearful about tomorrow. You might be concerned about the future. And so the question is, what should we do as a church in these trying times? And so I went to Peter, and since he's the father of the church, I thought, let's go and see what he has to say. So, 1 Peter 4, verses 7 through to 11, the end of all things is near. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be clear minded and self controlled so that you can pray. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each one should use whatever gifts he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, he should do it as if one speaking the very words of God. If anyone serves, he should do it with the strength that God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Now there is so much condensed in those few verses and I would encourage you to practice this for yourself, that if you're reading scripture at home and it's packed like this with stuff, break it down, uh, take it apart, uh, deconstruct it into a way that is easier to follow. So you'll see verse 7 has two points. The end is near. And the second point, to pray with understanding. Verse 8, another one, uh, love one another because love covers shortcomings. Verse 9 gives us our fourth point, offer hospitality. Verse 10, serve each other with the gifts God has given. Verse 11 has three. Point 6, preach or share as though God were preaching. And number seven, serving the strength that God provides. And eight, to God be the glory. So once I've taken all of that, broke it down into eight little points so that we can focus on it a bit easier. And so I think what we'll do is we'll just take each point and just break it down and, and see if any of that just speaks to your heart. Throughout the New Testament, um, We've been reading that the end is near. How long have you been a Christian? I've been a Christian for many years, and I've been told that the end is near right from when I started, and it's still no closer, I would have thought, but it seems to still be in Scripture. And the wonderful thing about this end being near is that it's very irrelevant because we don't know when we're going to die. And we certainly don't know when Jesus is coming again. So it is near. And you know, when Peter, wrote this, when Peter wrote this, just seven years after he wrote this, the whole of Jerusalem temple was destroyed by the Romans. And so Jewish faith, as they understood it, disappeared. The temple was gone. So the end was very near for him when he wrote this. But in a practical sense, the end is always near. I mean, I'm going into surgery on Wednesday. The end could be very near. And in these current times where we read about death, you know that every single morning on the news, they tell me how many people died with COVID. No longer of COVID. They fixed that because the last guy who crashed his motorbike and died of COVID made headlines. So they decided now you die with COVID. So they're telling us every day how many people die. So death is very much a part of our living environment. In some ways, our situation today is very similar. And the way we meet and interact with each other has changed. I I was in New Zealand recently, and the church that I used to belong to in Auckland all went away for their church camp. And you know when they came back, 40% 40% of those who went on camp, which is the whole church, came back with COVID. So our times have changed. You know, we, we just don't know. Sometimes we look around in the church. How many seats should we put out? Because, Well, how many have got COVID this week? You know, It, it, it really impacts our lives. Our lives have changed. Um, <clears throat> I, I, I went shopping yesterday. And as I went into the supermarket, I thought, I masks back in because everybody seemed to have masks on. I I can't even remember. I think I've got one in the car. So I had to ask someone, is mask back in? Because everybody was wearing masks. And then once I was inside the shop, I saw a few people without. But how do you know? It's uncertain times. We just don't know what's going to happen. And now the the, the joys of flying all the way to Frankfurt and all the way to New Zealand, you've got to wear a mask the whole time on a plane. Do you know how uncomfortable that is? I order a glass of water, and I put it there, and I don't sip it. I just have it there so I can keep that mask off. But there's one word that I want to really bring your attention to, and it's in that verse 7. It says, the end is near. Now, that word end comes from the Greek word telos. And the Greek word telos in a different context actually means goal. It's an objective. And so when you start saying the objective is near, that changes that whole meaning. Because what it is, is all of creation, all of creation is moving towards a divine end objective where we're going to be in a new heaven and a new earth. And if we don't keep reminding ourselves that is, that is the goal, we're going to get lost in the fear of everyday life. Will there be war? What is the fuel going to cost us, etc., cetera, etc.? Cetera. Instead of living, encouraged that the end is near, the goal is near. The present times are trying, and in some cases heartbreaking. I, I, I've spoken to people whose parents are back in South Africa and died of COVID, and they couldn't be there, and, and the pain of not being able to be with your family in these. Terrible times is very hurtful. But there's an exciting thing about considering that the end is near. Because with the end, there are going to be lots of signs and lots of tribulations, and we've seen those, but there also has to be revival. There has to be revival. Scripture tells us that we, God's selected, God's chosen people who've committed ourselves to follow Jesus Christ we are going to be part of that revival and that's the exciting part is we have to be the witnesses and the interpreters of God's purpose for the rest of the the world who are they going to go to for answers if it's not to us those who know Jesus those who hear his voice pray with understanding Well, uh, this is an interesting one because it actually says we need to be clear-headed and we need to be alert as to what is happening around us. Why? So that you can pray with understanding. If you're not aware, if you're just walking oblivious through life, what are you going to focus your prayer on? You see, your life, your planet becomes so small that you're going to be focused on your stuff. And so, what your prayers are is just a shopping list. Lord, can you just help sort this out? And can you help that lady who's nasty to me at work? And can you do that? And and we just got this whole list of things that we want God to do for us. But when, when we really focus on praying with an understanding of what's happening around us in the world, we can be praying for Jerusalem, for the Parliament to be re-established, for there to be peace in. Israel. We can be praying for world leaders to not make these ridiculous decisions, that they would see the wrong in their choices. And we can best pray like this when we understand what's happening in our world. The current pandemic has brought around a degree of irrationality. Uh, I don't even understand. I can't even understand some of the rules they brought in with this pandemic. You know that when you sit down, COVID can't get you. It's only when you stand in and walk in. It's an, it's an amazing thing. I can walk through the airport and it's COVID, COVID, COVID. COVID. I just sit down and phew, there's no more COVID. You can go to Bunnings. You can go to Bunnings. You've got to wear a mask and you've got to stand a metre and a half Behind this person, but the guy coming up this way stands right here next to you. It's amazing. It's COVID is directionless; only goes straight, cannot go sideways. So this whole irrationality that has come about during COVID must make us say, "Lord Jesus, come again, come and fix this place. We want a new heaven and a new earth, because this one is rotten." I I like the way, and, and we need to guard our minds, we need to guard our minds that all this nonsense doesn't stick in there. So I found this lovely translation in the New Living Bible, and it says, Be earnest and disciplined in your prayers. In times like this, we can't do much to change our circumstances, but we can pray. So now is a time for disciplined prayer. Don't you think that's a lovely little word they just stuck in there? Disciplined prayer. You know, as Andrew's been telling us how to find that rhythm of grace, there's also been the part that disciplined us to taking time to set aside with God. And so prayer needs to be disciplined. It needs to be a conscious effort to set some time aside to communicate with God, because if you don't do that, how will you know that God wants you to walk seven times around a city? How are you gonna know that on day seven, you're actually gonna walk seven times and not follow the pattern of the day before? You see, because you won't recognize the voice of God. And I've done some weird things thinking that I heard God clearly. And it turned out that I didn't. And you know you feel like such a plonk when it doesn't happen the way you thought you heard God. So if you don't spend more time in prayer with Him, how are you going to recognize His voice? How are you going to know this is God speaking to me? This is not just me on a whimsical idea. And how many of us would respond that we are asking for this for a, a victory in battle over this whole strong, whole city that's got a wall built around it. We are naturally going to think we've got to be victorious in battle. We are not going to think of doing it God's way, which is to just shout hallelujah. Who who would think? And And how many times do we read in the Bible that God makes someone a promise and they think, well, I better give him help. I tell you what, I'm not falling pregnant, so have my slave and have a baby because God missed the cue. He allowed me to get too old to get pregnant. Why? Why can't we just recognize God's voice and say, I know that voice. And if God says it, that is it. So we're going to have to, we're going to have to really get to know God's voice. And that's going to require discipline. Love one another. Isn't that a lovely thing? I, I just wish the church would adopt this concept. Really, because we don't even like each other, let alone love each other. There are times, how many times... Has someone irritated you? Yeah? No, none of you, only me. So, but it's so true. And, and it's the little things that irritate us. But what God is saying here, through Peter, is I want you to be so different that in the world people can take offense. In the world people can be unhappy with the way things are done and said. But in the church, people will be surprised that that does not happen. It needs to be countercultural. It needs to be said, wow, well, why is this different? Because if we're the same as everybody out there and everybody that's in the church, where is the attraction? We cannot earn God's favor. And so. Love that covers a multitude of sin is not, well, I've done something wrong, so what I'll do is a loving deed, and that settles that little mischief I got up to yesterday. And then, I don't think that that's what Peter was referring to. I think he was referring to Proverbs 10, 12. Uh, Yeah, Hate stirs up trouble, but love covers all wrongs. I think that's what he was referring to. So, There's no place for us to take offence. There's no place for us to get irritated with someone else's bad mood. And you know, the worst, the worst is third-party offence. When I'm offended because you did something to someone else. Can you believe it? How can you ever fix that? You, 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 can't even think, you can't even go up to someone and say, listen, I'm terribly sorry. I shouldn't have done that because it wasn't you. <laughs> you, you, you can't go up and say, I'm terribly sorry uh, that I'm offended because of something you might have done to someone else that someone else told me about and so let's all just be offended. If you loved someone knowing that I have to love you the way Jesus loves you. It has to be different. And others will notice. It is a genuine attitude of self-giving. That's the type of love that I think God would like to see in our church. Number four, hospitality. Now, COVID. COVID came along and mucked it all up. We couldn't go out. We had to wear masks. We couldn't be more than so many people. and uh, 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 You know it all. So COVID messed it up. But we don't have those same restrictions. But how many, How often do you get invited? Unless you're Andrew the pastor. You get invited out all the time. But, but if you other folks like us in the pews, do you get invited out? I, I mean, really, are we are we showing that hospitality? You you, you see, because by having people in your home and sharing a meal together, breaking bread together, you're actually doing a biblical thing that Jesus patterned for us. And you're actually taking time to talk into their lives and to hear where their lives are at. You are investing in people's lives in in a way that is special and unique. And that's why, Peter thought it was so important as to list it as one of the eight points. You see, and it's so easy to come up with excuses. Oh, well, what if there's another pandemic? We'll have to go through all this again and just set aside all of these things. And and the truth is we don't have to because uh, God knew this pandemic was coming. So he said, well, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to take this little guy here, who's a really smart lad, and I'm going to teach him how to work on computers and coding, and he's going to develop something called Zoom. And this genius here is going to bring about WhatsApp. And then, hang on, hang on, that can get hacked. So let's get another genius to develop signal. And so we can communicate as a church without being hacked. And so, you know what, you could be sitting there in your prayer time that you've disciplined, put aside to spend time with God, and you can say, Lord, who do I need to encourage today? And you don't have to go and see them. You don't have to go and see them. I've called it (laughs) techno-hospitality. And and, and you you can send them a message. I'm thinking of you today. How 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 you been? How's your legs? Are you walking okay? How about the scripture that I read this morning that I really felt encouraged to share with you? I know that many small groups do that, communicate amongst each other. He has a lovely song I heard and share it, etc. But, folk, we need to be focused on making this part of our the everyday lives that people know and understand that you've been thinking of them, that you care. Um, we can drop off food. But most importantly, we can open our lives and our homes to spend time getting to know each other better. The next one, serving one another with the gifts God has given. Well, many of you are going to find this a newsflash, but I'm going to share it with you anyway. Do you know that this worship team actually have to spend hours practicing so they can do what they do on a Sunday morning? So that they can serve us. So they can serve Jesus. And do you know that there are a whole lot of people that get you, it depends if they're listening to Andrew or to Chi, but they get you very early if it's Chi they're listening to, to come and set all this stuff up. And to pack out chairs and... and, and and do all this stuff to serve one another. But there's even more to serving one another with the gifts God has given. Because when you serve someone with the gift God's given you, they actually feel that they've been blessed by God, not by you. Not by you. I want to share a little story. I was really upset with God because... Through this pandemic and all this stuff, my industry just died and um, life's been tough and I'm not going to whinge about a tough life. But the amazing thing is I was whinging to God about the fact that I haven't had a holiday for five years. And I said, God, it's just not fair. You know, (laughs) the only time I've been away is for my daughter's wedding and that wasn't a holiday and was only a weekend i'm talking about like a holiday holiday and i said lord this is just not right myself's tired we really need a holiday and i get a text from a mate of mine's son not my mate his son sends me a text and says Eugene, I'd really like to fly you and myself to New Orleans to have a holiday with us and the family. I'm paying for your travel expenses. Now, on the one hand, I'm complaining to God that I need a holiday, and, but God already knew. You see, he tells us that he knows the hairs on our head. He feeds the birds out there. How much more is he going to feed you? He knows. Why am I complaining to him about something that he knows? And he already had a solution. And so he, he was moving in a whole other part of the world, doing all types of things to prepare a way for this guy to send me a text message and say, I'm going to fly you to the U.S., you see, God works in strange and mysterious ways and we see it only when we want to see it instead of looking every day for what is God going to do today. So serve one another in a way that brings glory to God, in a way that makes them realize this is God. Answering my prayers. Andrew and she, when we used to sit <clears throat> at our house planning this church and planning and asking God what we should do and how we should do it, when we left, I used to check my postbox every day. Say, so, Lord, have you brought our building to us yet? Because we need a base, we need a building, and I'm still expecting, and I still check my postbox every day to see if God's bringing that building. He knows. He knows. Right, preach and share as though God were preaching. Now, not all of us are going to want to get up and preach. I understand that. Not all of us want the responsibility of getting up and teaching. But each of us can be in a small group and have an opportunity to share something that came from the heart. Something that came from your relationship with Jesus that actually speaks to the heart of someone else. And you know what they say? The thing that pleases anybody who preaches the most is when someone comes to them after and says, oh, that was a good message, that was really cool, I like that, thank you. Because those people are normally saying that just to make you feel good. What really does make you feel good is when they come and they say, you know, in your message, I thought Jesus was speaking to me. That's what you want to hear. I thought Jesus was speaking to me. It was through your voice and through what you prepared, but I I really sensed that God was speaking to me right there in what you shared. And if you go to a small group and you've prepared to come to give, you might have that impact on someone else's life that they say, you know what? I thought Jesus was speaking to me with what you shared. I really needed to hear that. When we share our testimony, what we're doing is we're saying, this is what happened in my life. I'm just a normal guy like you. And and, and this is the path that God's taken me on. And this is the hurdle that I was faced with. And this is how God helped me to overcome. And that test becomes your testimony. And as you share that testimony, you show others what God has faithfully done in your life to encourage them to have faith, to walk a path similar to yours. Not the same experiences, but expecting God to help them overcome. Because Scripture says that we are overcomers. How can we be overcomers if we've never overcome a single hurdle? And so... So that testimony is something very precious that God's given you because you can share what God has miraculously done in your life with others. To serve in the strength that God provides. Now, a lot of people think that preaching is cool and go and lead a home group, that's cool, and maybe do kids church, that's cool. But when you serve in the strength that God gives you, and what is that strength? That's the power of the Holy Spirit. When you serve others in the power of the Holy Spirit, things happen. And one of the things that we've been talking about is that we don't want a church with a superhero pastor, sorry, Andrew, who who prays for the sick, and he does this and does all these wonderful miracle things, and we all just sit there, (gasps) did you see what he did today? No. You see, the model that God has for us is that you will prophesy and you will uh, heal the sick and you will bring a message and an encouragement and so on and so forth. And so each of us will contribute and so no one can take the glory because it's not yours to take. It's God's glory because when that happens, people see that was God ministering to me. That was God speaking to me through that scripture. And so... If if only some of us can preach, what would the rest do? We'd be lost. We'd just have to sit there and say, oh, it's nothing for me to do. So God wants you to be serving because if you don't do your part, someone else misses out. Someone else doesn't get the blessing that you could have brought at that time in that place. And if you didn't start with that prayer and understanding, you wouldn't know when to do it. Right, to God be the glory. Now, it's an amazing thing this, that Peter ends his instruction by stating the purpose of speaking and serving is that in all things God may be praised. Through Jesus Christ. That's the purpose. In all things. So, if you thought your life was just to occupy space, you were wrong. Because everything you do, all things should bring glory to the name of Jesus, should bring glory to God, because that is just the way you live your life. You see, the whole message of grace is very difficult because we need to have rules. We, we, we need to, to have to go and pray seven times a day. So what's the time? Oh, it's prayer time. Let's go and pray. And, and, and so if we've got these little rules and you can't do this, you can't eat that, and don't touch a crustacean, don't eat crabs, and don't touch pork, if we've got all these rules, then then we, then we think our righteousness is how closely we follow those rules. And then Jesus mucks it all up by saying, I'll take you just as you are. And Jesus messes it up further and says, it's okay, you sinned yesterday, it's okay, I'll still take you just as you are. And and, and you know what? You shouldn't have said that, I agree you shouldn't have spoken like that, but I'm going to take you just the way you are. Into my arms because that's Jesus' message of grace. But the amazing thing is that when we receive this message of grace, our response should be I want to bring glory to your name because you accept me just the way I am. And so, because I want to bring glory to your name, Jesus, I want you to work through me. I want to hear your voice. I know what to do and when to do it and who to do it for. To God be the glory. And then he ends, Peter ends, he says, To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. You see, that anointing that enables a preacher to speak as though God is speaking through him, that's from the Holy Spirit. It's not from the person speaking. And that power to serve others in a way that makes them feel that they are being served by Jesus That is the Holy Spirit, not the person serving. And when people realize this, that it's not the preacher and it's not the person serving, then they can praise Jesus for his intervention into their lives at that point. And so to wrap up, I'd like to give you a few life applications. Pray with understanding. So understand what it is that you need to pray for and focus on that. Be aware of what happens around you so that when you're praying, you're praying with an understanding of your circumstances. Pray for the church because you understand where we're going as renew and what we hope in God will do amongst us. Pray with understanding. Love one another in a way that others coming into this place will say, there's something different here. There's something truly different because I I, I can feel the love. Serve one another. No one should ever say we need some volunteers. You know, I I don't want to knock you, but I have to tell you. We should never be asking for volunteers. It should be something that is done not because of us as a church, but because of the Lord Jesus Christ who you serve. Preach and share as if God was speaking. Now, I'm going to make a statement here, and I hope no one takes offence. And that's why I put that into my message so I could make the statement and get away with it. So if you are not... If you are a practicing, active practicing Christian and you are not in a small group, then you are not an active practicing Christian. Because where can you practice your faith? Where can you pray for others if you're not in a small group? You're not going to do it here on a Sunday. So, where are you going to do it? You have to be in a small group. So you can say, by faith, Lord, I want to give someone a word of encouragement tonight. Would you, would you bless me? Would you anoint me with the words to share for someone else so that they would think that this word was from you directly? In a small group, you can trust each other. You can be safe that even if your word was completely wrong, doesn't matter. You have to be in a small group. And, and where else are you going to be able to share? You're not going to stand up here and say, oh, this is on my heart, are you? Well, not many of you have. And then live a life that brings glory to the name of God. Live a life that speaks Jesus. We sing that song about speaking Jesus. Imagine if we lived a life that speaks Jesus. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, I ask that any words that are from you would find fruitful ground in our hearts. And anything that was from me, you would just remove from memory right now in the name of Jesus. I pray, Lord, that you would encourage us and give us faith to take a step and to respond to your soft whisper. In a way, Lord, that would not only change our lives, but the lives of people we come into contact with. Lord, help us to be a living reflection of who you are, and not just pew warmers, I ask in Jesus' name. Help us to be your church. Amen.